welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all feel that way too. You know, it's so hot outside, you start feeling just a little bit listless. Listless, by definition, means to lack energy or enthusiasm. And so if you're feeling a bit listless, know that you're in good company. But when I think of being listless, there's something I, I wonder if I will ever be listless in my life. And, and what I mean by that is Will there ever be a time in my life when I don't have to keep list of things? You know, now there's some things I do every week, and I don't have to write these things down, you know. Take a shower, brush my teeth, um, write a sermon. Uh, you know, they're just things that we do all the time. We don't have to write those down. We can remember those. But then there's those other things that if I don't write them down, I'm not going to remember to do them, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. Return that phone call, uh, take out the trash, uh, wash the car, get a haircut. You, you, you know what I mean? There's some things you just don't think about them all the time. They're, they can be random. You know, write that note to some, I, just, you get in trouble if you don't do that. So we all have our to-do list, but I want to suggest there are two other lists that we probably have. And this past week I was kind of comparing those two lists, wondering what the similarities were and what the differences were. One of them is a shopping list, and the other is a prayer list. Now, if you don't really know what a prayer list is, maybe you're, you're new to church or new to faith, prayer list is what we just did. You know, Josh went through, we're going to pray for these people who've asked us to pray for them. We're going to pray for those with cancer, pray for those with dementia. We pray for our missionaries, for our shut-ins, for expectant families, for our military personnel. That's a prayer list. We pray through and for those things. And sometimes I get phone calls from people, and they'll say, oh, would you please add me to your prayer list? Now, the assumption is that I have a personal prayer list. And whenever they ask me if I will do that, I, I confess that, you know, it makes me feel good that they think somehow that I have spiritual prayer muscle and I can go to war with the forces of darkness when I pray. And just so y'all know, sometimes I don't really feel like a conqueror <laughs> when I pray, but I digress. Comparing the prayer list to the shopping list. So, I go shopping at the store for things I want and things I need. I go to prayer for things I want and things I need. When I go to the store with my shopping list, when I find something that I have, I mark it off the list. When I pray, if I look at my list, things only get marked off the list when there's resolution to whatever situation it is that I happen to be praying for. When I go shopping, sometimes I forget things that are on my list, and it is highly inconvenient 
to have to go back to the store to get it. But when I pray, if I forget to pray for something, it's not inconvenient at all because I can stop in that moment and pray for that thing that's on my heart. If I go to the store and it does not have what I want, I am not happy. It displeases me because now I have to go somewhere else to get it. But when I pray, if God does not do what I want, there's nobody else I'm going to pray to. My shopping list, my family can add to. My prayer list seems to have an endless supply of people that like to add to it. I go shopping because I am a consumer and I go to get what I want and if they don't have what I want at one store or I don't like the service, don't like anything, I never go back. But when we pray, we are not merely spiritual consumers just trying to get whatever it is we want from God. We're not the kind of people who pray and expect God to show up like the genie in the bottle to grant us whatever it is that we wish, but somehow or another, prayer has got to be at a much deeper level. And whenever we think of the church and we think of the commitments that the church has, one of the earliest and most important devotions that we have is devotion to prayer. We've been using Acts 2.42 as our guide for this, and so I want to put that scripture up there, and I will invite you to read this again with me. Let's go ahead and get the scripture. Boom, there it is. Would y'all read this aloud with me? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and a prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So I would suggest to you of the four things that they were devoted to, prayer is by far the most intimidating thing on that list. When we talk about the apostles' teaching, we think of how the apostles are those who have been with Jesus. They know Jesus. They have experience with Jesus. And when we sit at the feet of an apostle to be taught, we receive that. We're, we're okay with that. It does not frighten us or intimidate us to be given this gift of their teaching. And then we think of fellowship. Fellowship's not intimidating. We, we, we shared how fellowship is that in the community of the believers, there was commitment to and there was concern for each person's highest good. We, we participate in that. We like that. We also shared how in fellowship it is we offer healing for those who are hurt. Who among us doesn't have somebody that we love that we feel a deep connection with and when they're hurting, we're willing to be present for their healing? The sharing of meals. Do I have a witness? Y'all bring the rolls. Y'all bring the desserts. Y'all bring the casseroles. Okay, sign me up. I'm ready to go. I'm into this kind of fellowship. And we love how in the early church, it wasn't just that they shared meals together. It was the Lord's Supper. And that's where we get into touch with, you know, here's what Jesus did. This is what we remember. But we also celebrate the presence of the risen Christ in this moment and what he's doing. And we look ahead to the return of Christ when we feast at a heavenly banquet table. It's not intimidating at all. But prayer... 
I've had this observation over the years. Whenever you're with a group of people and it's time to pray, never make eye contact with the leader. <laughs> because that could be interpreted wrongly as your assent that they say, oh, and I'm not even going to point at anybody, but would you pray? And you're thinking, out loud? Where everybody can hear? <laughs> Just an observation I have in ministry. And that's why I say prayer can be intimidating because like me, some of you don't necessarily always feel like you're a warrior. You sometimes feel like you're less than a conqueror whenever you're called upon to pray. But we must know this. When God was creating the church and as God continues to create the church out of people, Prayer is a vital part of what we do. And the first thing we can consider when we look at this devotion that they had to prayer is that prayer is seen as a daily exercise of faith. Now, hopefully you've caught on by now because I've shared this every week that we must remember that the early church, these people we read about in Acts 2, were Jewish people that now believe Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah. So when they pray, the prayers that they offered probably had a very heavy Jewish influence. And Jewish people were known for having daily prayers that they would do. Maybe they prayed the Psalms. Maybe there were other prayers that they prayed. But prayer was an important part of what they do. And so now that they believe in Jesus as Lord and Messiah, they continue the habit of daily prayer. It's an exercise. In the same way that we have to exercise to keep our physical bodies healthy, we ought to pray to keep our spiritual selves healthy. When I was a, a younger man, I think I'm old enough now that I can say when I was a much younger man, when I would exercise, I always wanted to exercise playing team sports. I'd play pickup basketball a couple of times a week. I would play uh, volleyball a couple of times a week. I enjoyed the competition. I enjoyed the sport. And I enjoyed the camaraderie that I shared, the fellowship, if you will, that I had with those people that I would play against and for and with. But my wife was not a team sports person. She was an individual sports person, and she had taken up uh, cycling, and I'm like, yeah, you go. Have a great time. I'm going to go shoot some hoops. And uh, we became very close friends with another couple, and they both were cyclers, so you know what that meant, right? The A had to buy a bicycle. <laughs> and so we would ride, and we enjoyed that, and we decided that we were going to go to a large bike race and rally for the experience. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called the Hotter Than Hell 100. Now, for those of you that don't know about the Triple H, it is in August when the temperature is July 2022-ish. And uh, it's in Wichita Falls, Texas. Thousands of people at this bike ride. Well, we're going to ride the Hotter Than Hell 100. We, we, we have to get ready. And so every day we would train. Every day we would have a ride that we would do that would help us prepare for the distance that we were wanting to ride. Whenever we pray as a daily exercise, what we're doing is we're inviting Jesus to be a part of every part of our lives. 
We're inviting him into our marriage and into our home and into our family. We're inviting him into our business and the decisions that we're trying to make. When we pray, we're not having a list where Jesus is a prayer grocery store where he just got to give us what we want or we're displeased. No, when we pray, we are entering into relationship with one who can truly change everything. This is why we must be a people as the people of God that are devoted to prayer. The other thing we know about prayer is prayer was the identifying mark of their discipleship. Now, of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to do, you know, Josh talked about those miraculous feedings that he did. We could have said, hey, Jesus, can you show us how to take a couple fish, loaves of bread, and feed thousands of people? You know, they could have asked him that. Jesus, can you teach us how to walk on water? Peter really needed a remedial course after just a few steps. But of all the things they asked Jesus to do. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. In fact, actually what it says is, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples because, again, in Judaism, the rabbi, rabbi means teacher, disciple means student. And so you could tell what rabbi a disciple followed by the way that they prayed. If, you know, if they prayed the way this rabbi did, they'd say, oh, well, obviously they're a disciple of Rabbi Mordecai. Or they prayed the way this one, oh, obviously they're a disciple of Rabbi Isaiah. They could tell how people prayed. And so when the disciples are asking Jesus, teach us how to pray, one of the things they're asking is, teach us how we can identify our lives with who you are. And I, I love this. I actually ran this by a friend of mine who's a pastor this week. I said, I, I've got this idea. I've never thought about this. I need you to tell me if I'm a heretic or not. And he's someone that would have gotten great joy if he thought I was being heretical. And I said, so here's what I'm thinking. In the early church, we, we read that they were devoted to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, you need to know if you read in the Greek, and I, I'm going to guess, go out on a limb, but most of y'all can't, uh, <laughs> That's not what it says. The translation I read from is actually explaining that a little bit. What it says is they joined together in the breaking of bread. And the idea is that, well, yeah, they were coming together and sharing meals because we know they did that, but also they were sharing together in the Lord's Supper. And I said, so somehow I've got to think, if this group of people is devoted to the apostles teaching them, one of the things the apostles are going to teach them is how to identify themselves with Jesus by the way that they pray. So obviously part of what was being taught was the Lord's Prayer, and it must have been very effective because over 2,000 years later, that's what we still pray to identify ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. And he was convinced I wasn't a heretic. He kind of liked that. When I was a campus minister, I got a call from the university president's secretary one day. And she was asking me if I would be willing to pray at graduation. Now, I thought it was an honor to be asked to pray at graduation. I was glad to represent. And so I said, sure, uh, we can do that. And so she said, okay, well, let me get some information so we can put it in the program. And one of the first things was, how do you spell your name? It's hard. D-A. With or without periods, that's how it's spelled. And, you know, what's your title? Are you 
a father or are you a pastor or are you a reverend you know what what is your title and she's getting all this information and then she says okay well um you know this is where you need to be and this is what you need to do and you know just giving me the logistics of it and the last thing she said was make it kind of a generic prayer I don't pray generic prayers I mean, I understood the intent. The intent was, okay, we want somebody to pray. We just don't want to offend anybody by praying. What's a generic prayer? I don't pray generic prayers. When I pray, I know who I'm praying to. I know that when we pray, I am identifying who I am a disciple of, and I call him Jesus. Now, are you saying, you know, were they asking me not to end the prayer by saying, in Jesus' name? I don't have to pray that way. We pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday, and at the end of it, we don't say, in Jesus' name. We, that's not what we do. But I identify myself with who I pray to, and brothers and sisters, even when I don't get what I want, there's no other God I can pray to. Even when I don't have it happen the way I wanted, there's nobody else I pray to. I know the one to whom I pray. He is God who came down and lived as a human being and we called him Jesus. And he walked on water and in the midst of the storm he spoke and the wind stopped blowing and the waves settled down. He was the one who fed the 5,000, the 4,000 and he feeds you and me every day. And when I pray to him, I know that when life is good, I give him praise. When life is confusing, I ask him to give me strength. And when life is falling apart at the seams, I call on him to use all the resources of heaven to hear the cry of my heart. That's not a generic prayer. This is the one who was crucified and then on the third day rose again. That's who I pray to. That's who I am a disciple of. There are no generic prayers. And when we call on the name of Jesus, we are connected to spiritual power. This is so amazing. When we talked about fellowship two weeks ago, I said, let's look ahead a few verses, and we read verses 44 through 47. Today we're going to go and we're going to look at verse 43. It's such a great verse. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And this is what it says. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. If you read through the book of Acts, whenever the people of God get together to pray, powerful things begin to happen. Peter gets arrested, and they're so afraid because Peter's going to be killed, and the people didn't know what to do, so guess what they did? They prayed, and we read the story of how the angel came and freed the chains off of Peter in prison and led him out of the dungeon, and he goes to where all the people were praying, and he knocks on the door, and a girl answers, and she's like, ah! It's Peter, and she slams the door back in his face. Goes, says, Peter's downstairs, and everybody's like, "You bring him in, bring him in." People of God get together and pray. Thousands of people would come to faith in Christ. The people of God would get together to pray, and miracles happened. When we pray. It's not a spiritual shopping list from spiritual consumers. It's connecting our lives to his life and aligning our lives and our will with his will so he can do great things through the church. There's a story about a church that had a, a, a new organ. Y'all remember churches, some churches still have organs, right? And um, 
they were going to dedicate this organ. They invited a, a known organist to come in and play the instrument so everybody could hear it and see how grand it was. The pastor introduced them, and the organist goes and sits at the organ and presses the keys, and nothing happens. No sound. Silence. That's the kind of thing that makes pastors panic. And he did. And somebody made eye contact. And he called upon that person to pray. And the person comes up and praying. Well, the custodian was in church and he knew what the problem was. Nobody had turned the organ on. And so while this person's up there earnestly beseeching the mercies of our God, <laughs> the custodian writes a note that says, when the prayer is over, the power will be on. Leonard Ravenhill said it like this, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Brothers and sisters, when God created the church, God creates the church to be a people of prayer. And I don't know if you have a list I don't even know that it's important to have a list. It's important to have a habit, a discipline to pray. Because when we pray, we connect our life with God's life. We identify ourselves with who it is we are praying to. And we experience his power as people pray. And it's an interesting thing about the church. Sometimes we teach on prayer. Sometimes we preach on prayer. And then we're done. It's like praying for rain and not taking an umbrella. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray. I mean, if I invited you to share in a meal, I suspect you would do that. So when I invite you to pray, you're willing to do that, right? And so the, the way we're going to pray today, it's not an unusual way of praying, but it's not one that we use around here a lot. And I will confess that this is a prayer that is somewhat borrowed from and somewhat modeled after the great litany found in the Book of Common Prayer. And so don't worry, you actually get to make eye contact with the screen because that's what you'll want to follow as the words are up there, would you take a moment of silence to quiet your heart and get yourself in a spirit and an attitude of going into the throne room of our Creator? Let us pray. O God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, O God the Son, redeemer of the world, O God the Holy Ghost, sanctifier of the faithful, O holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, one God. Remember not, Lord Christ, our offenses, nor the offenses of our forebears, neither reward us according to our sins. Spare us, good Lord. Spare your people that you have redeemed with your precious blood. From all evil and wickedness, 
from sin, from the crafts and assaults of the devil, and from everlasting damnation. Deliver us, good Lord, from blindness of heart, pride, hypocrisy, envy, hatred, and malice, from all sinful affections, and from all the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Deliver us from false doctrine and heresy. Deliver us from all lightning and storm, earthquake, fire, and flood, from plague, pestilence, and famine, from all oppression, conspiracy, and rebellion, from violence, battle, and murder. We ask you, O Lord God, to bless and guide those who lead your church. We ask you to bless and keep all your people. We ask that you send laborers into the harvest to draw people into your kingdom. We ask that you would give us hearts to love and serve you and to diligently keep your commandments. May it please you, good Lord, to make wars to cease in all the world, to give all nations peace so that all people may live in freedom. May it please you to show mercy on all prisoners and captives, the homeless and the hungry, and all who are desolate and oppressed. Help us, good Lord, to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and may their hearts be turned to you. We ask, good Lord, that you would give us the gift of faith to do what you are calling us to do. May we seek only to bring glory to you, triune God, so that others are drawn to you for life, hope, and salvation. As you're able, would you stand and let us sing?